and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. hello and to share your insights during the class hi Zuluse hi Mbagalazi Hi Kulupelo. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for joining. I wanted to take today to talk about the sibling wound and how it stems from the mother wound. But before I start, let me introduce myself. If you don't know who I am, my name is Vanille Makwakwa and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so they can fall in love with their bank accounts increase income and live their best lives and today i felt like i keep seeing all these posts all over social media and actually (laughs) i was guided last week already to do a post on sibling rivalry in this country right especially in south africa but i think i don't know i don't want to say it's as bad in most countries where i've lived in i don't know um or maybe we're just a lot more open in South Africa about our drama, which I sometimes think we are, which is lovely, because it means that we're also able to heal, right? Um, and we're open to healing, and it brings up great conversations. But there's definitely a lot around sibling wounds in this country, right? And it's deep. But today I want to actually look, and there's many layers to the sibling wound. This is just one part of the story that I'm looking at, right? 
And what I'm looking at also is very, very specific. And I want to make this very clear because trauma is extremely layered. This is not around sibling wounds in particular where the mom has passed on and then a child, the daughter or the son had to fill her role when she passed on. That's a different dynamic altogether, right? Because that has also got grief, it's got death, it's got other layers to it. The sibling wound that I'm looking at today is where the mom is alive and one of the children has taken on the deputy parent role, right? And so I want to talk about that because that has its own specification. So we're talking about a parent that is alive and um, either the mom and dad. So I don't want to just say the mom, right? But in particular, I'm looking at this from where most times it's single mothers and a child is then stepping in to either completely take over the mother role or to be a deputy parent, right? So, um, hi, uh, <laughs> uh, hi, Kulupelo, hi, Tateko, hi, Matsuriso, and Bonnie, you say you're watching me for the first time from Cape Town. Hey, I'm also in Cape Town, Bonnie, at least for now, <laughs> right? So yeah, so guys, I've made up my mind. I am moving to Mexico. At least that is the idea. That is the plan in a few weeks. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. Not that it ever feels like I'm moving until the night before. <laughs> but right now, it definitely feels like so far out. Like, I feel like this is how it always is for me. I'm always like, ah, I'm leaving soon. <laughs> and then... A few minutes before like yeah it just gets crazy so <laughs> yeah that is the plan anyway so at some point in March hopefully before the end of March I'll find myself in Oaxaca doing what I plan to do so hi Maloheng and Matefo how are you um, you're saying watching from the free straight Ah, nice, nice, love it. Um, okay, so let me start. Okay, so I've specified what part of the sibling wound and I'm, I'm looking at, and this is very, very important because the trauma is so layered, so sometimes it just helps to say this is the part of the trauma that I am looking at, right? Um, so what I found, so let's, let me start by sharing my own personal story, not me, but particularly what I saw with my mom and her siblings. And then I will segue into other story, into what this looks like for most of us, right? Because I find that I'm able to work best when I bring my own personal experience in and then I'm able to just share from that and then analyze the various aspects of things that I want to analyze. So... My mom um, has had four siblings, right? Two of which, um, actually, they were, she had six siblings, but two passed on, so I never knew them when she was young. And my grandmother was, uh, when her husband passed on, my grandfather, she became a single parent, right? My mom was the second born out of the living children, right? 
So what happened with her was that once she started working and she noticed the situation at home, my grandmother was really struggling with her siblings and really, really wasn't able to make ends meet on her own. My grandmother was an entrepreneur and sometimes she taught nighttime school to adults, right? And she was an entrepreneur. She would sell fruit and veggies. She would go all over Mpumalanga from Shirapaki. She would go from Middleburg down to Mashalador uh, to Carolina, everywhere, just selling fruit and selling vegetables. So she would farm and she would sell these fruit and vegetables. So my mom at 16, she saw all this that was going on and she was like, this is really, really difficult for my mother, right? And then she decided to then take over and help my mother. But then she didn't just take, uh, she, she decided to take over and help my grandmother. Sorry, I used to call my grandmother mama. So in my head, like she's always been like my mom, you know, so it's a bit challenging. So you just have to forgive me. So she then took over once my grandfather passed on and she started taking over, looking after her siblings. But then it didn't stop there. She started looking after her siblings, children as well. So my cousins. So situations as they happened between her and my grandmother, they started looking after everyone, right? Including her eldest sister and her eldest sister's child. So by the time we came along, my mother had already looked, had already, uh, already had three kids that she was looking after, buying clothes for, paying things for everything and she also then decided to build the house that she lives in now where she bought a stand and she built her a house and part of that was that she ended up building this house for her mother and the idea was that she would also build it for her siblings and their children right and as time went on she then had kids she then decided she wanted to have kids she had kids very late in fact I have a whole story that I share in the Money Magic student group how when my mom was pregnant with me, the doctors never believed that she was pregnant, so she never got any leave because also there was just a lot of other stuff. I won't go into my birth story, but it's kind of funny and kind of interesting, right? And it kind of explains my personality in a kind of crazy way. But anyway, she, she was very, very late in having children. She was in her late thirties. She was already past 35. So the belief was that, um, she just can't have kids. So she was looking after her siblings children and she basically took them on as her children. These were my cousins, right? So as things happened, my mother falls pregnant with me and later with my sister. And it brings up a lot of friction in the family, right? The family actually started to fall apart at this point because now my mother wants her siblings to take over responsibility for their children, right? Because she's like, I've now got two children. I cannot support everyone and their kids anymore. It's now a different era. I now have to take care of my kids and this is no longer working for me. Well, because she's already taught people this and this is already something that has been happening for well over a decade, it causes so much friction in the family, right? And then she's seen as selfish and 
awful and before long the whole family starts to reject her and she starts to fight back there's constant fights around money and the entire family structure starts to break down right and part of that is because looking back now at the time it seems like oh my gosh how could people not understand that she had her own children that was so messy and so awful and everybody's awful right so it just feels like that and people have often asked but why wouldn't your grandmother step in and people always think that my grandmother often asks me about when they hear about my mother and I's relationship and how contentious it's been over the years most people always ask me but what was her relationship with her mother like well at first it started off good but by the time we were in my teens um, especially for me in our teens my mom was not speaking to her own mother they had a complete breakdown in relationship she wasn't speaking with her siblings she wasn't speaking to my cousins she basically only she basically broke with her entire maternal family right and my grandmother actually was one of the sweetest women that I knew right she was super kind and my relationship with her was incredible that's why I called her mama and she was like for me like the original mother right so she was incredible as a human being but so how does it go that this incredible woman ends up with this one daughter who has such a contentious relationship and why was my mother even justified in that relationship why does she end up how did she end up feeling like that and this I think is a great question because this is what we often see in our families when you see the breadwinners, right? The siblings that then ended up mothering their siblings, that there's some kind of breakdown within the family structure. There's friction, there's tension, people may end up hating them, people may end up being angry with them, they may even not have the best of relationships with their mothers at times or they have overly codependent relationships with their mothers it's very very traumatic to observe right so what happens in that case hmm okay so misa is saying hello also watching for the first time in krakow poland hey misa oh my goodness mexico all the very best hey if it's okay i'd love to chat to you privately about your move um awesome let me know if you know anything about mexico that can help me feel free like so many people have been <laughs> sending information I'm, I'm open like I'm open to hearing more I'm always open to connecting with humans and other people on my travels okay so what often happens that we're not aware of is this thing starts from a very young age right and sometimes it happens when someone is older so what happens is the little child is watching their mother struggle with the parenting role, right? So you're watching your parents struggle with the parenting role. And as any child, you're filled with love and you go, oh my gosh, I don't want my mother to go through this. I don't want my father to go through this because it's also both parents, right? But for now, I just, just allow me to talk about the mom relationship, right? But also notice that it's the same if it's like the father, right? So you think, I don't want to take, I don't want to, 
I don't want my parents to be the ones struggling like this. And so as any child does, you start taking on, you basically emotionally share the load with your parents, right? And now because you're a child, you don't know that that's not your job to do, right? That yes, you can help out, but you can't share the load. But over time, it goes from emotionally sharing the, uh, the load with your parents to then shouldering the, the load with your parents. So you're not just listening and keeping the other kids in order. You're now starting to make food, right? You're now starting to step more and more into this role. And before you know it, you're now the one that's waking up the other kids. You're now the one washing the kids. You're now the one taking care of the kids. And for some children, it gets as intense as you're now the one changing the nappies. You're now the one doing all these things. As all this is happening, you're taking, it gradually happens. It's not that it's something that happens overnight. So both the parent and the child are so unaware of this because it's that gradual thing that is happening, right? And then with some parents, it's very blatantly obvious because you've got a 10-year-old who's looking after all the other kids and the mom is, or the dad is nowhere to be found, right? So both parents are at fault in this case. Like the mother is nowhere to be found, the dad is nowhere to be found, and one of the children falls into the role of mother because there's now a gap within the family, right? Within the family structure. So the child then becomes super responsible. And what happens is they become a mini adult. This child then grows up before their time, right? So you've got a child that skips a stage, right? As they say in the location, when that is stage, you know, so you skip a stage you basically skip the childhood development stage, the teen stage. You go straight into parental stage, right? And what often happens, especially with single mothers, especially the responsible mothers, is they go, okay, you'll now be deputy parents. Some parents completely abdicate that role altogether. And as this child grows, by the time they start earning money, they now shoulder the role. They now take on the role even financially. And you'll even see that there'll be teens who are then earning money and then bringing the money home. So you'll have a son or a daughter who's then earning money and then bringing the money home and then helping with the groceries. Nothing wrong with that, right? Because it's like sometimes you can't make ends meet. But as all this is happening, this child is filling adult shoes, right? And not only that, they start making decisions not based on what they want, but this child starts looking even at the age of 18 around the house to say, what, can, what career do I need to take on that will make sure that I earn enough money to support everyone else in the house? Do you understand that that is no longer an 18-year-old? This is now an adult. This is now a child who is thinking like a mother. And do you know what is happening in terms of just like the family roles energetically? You now have a child who is energetically parenting and energetically, especially for women on a womb level, already feels like they've given birth to babies that are not theirs. So they are carrying in the womb on an energetic level kids that are not theirs. These are their siblings. So then the relationship between the siblings start to change. 
even if they still see you as a sister, even if they still call you sister or brother, they start to see, the other siblings start to see you. Quasi, uh, you're saying, I'm that child, sending deep, deep hugs, right? So even if the mother is there, the other siblings are starting to see this other sibling as a mother or as a father, right? So you'll find that when there's problems in the house, the children stop going directly to the mother. They start coming to the elder sibling. And as soon as the elder sibling starts working, they come to the elder sibling and tell them, sorry, we don't have food in the house. Sorry, we don't have this. Sorry, we need someone to sign forms for us at school. We need this. We need this. So you're automatically falling into the parental role. What's just happened? And this is really, really key. And this is the key to why there's so much family friction, right? On an external level, it looks like we are still siblings. But energetically, the other siblings in a child and how they view their older sibling or the sibling that has taken over the parental role is they see you as a mother. So they are in a child, they are in a teen literally has a vision of you as their mother. You are parenting them or they have a vision of you as the father. So you are already parenting them. So here's what often happens. So then when, the old, when that sibling that is trying, that has been parenting all along starts to withdraw and says, I am done. I am no longer parenting you. I'm not your mother. I'm not your father. Go find your mother. Go find your father. The, the other siblings in a, in a child and in a teen feels deeply betrayed. Why? Because they feel like you were their parent, right? There's never been a conversation. You've acted like the parent. You've behaved like a parent. You know, as they say, that quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. It is a duck. So you've just done all these parental things. So when you try to just break this role, it feels like the deepest betrayal. So in a way, they feel betrayed by you and they start fighting you and resenting you. Because wow, it's like a mother that just turned on their own children, right? So let me know if this is making sense. So this is why when my mother went again, started going like, I have my own children, I have to look after my own children, she's completely justified in that, right? But this is also why her siblings are like, oh, hell no, how could you? And start screaming and start acting entitled and start behaving in some type of way. And we'll be like, wow, people feel so entitled. Yes, because that's how children feel towards their parents sometimes. They feel completely entitled towards their parents' time, money, energy, etc. And the, the siblings are not seeing you as their sibling. They're seeing you as their parent. So they are behaving in much the same way, right? And so for most of us, we even take it a step, like in most families, not most of us, but in most families, it then goes a step further because there were no boundaries in place, right? There were no conversations. There were no, and there was just nothing happening. And the parent, the one, the parents just allowed this to happen, right? So when this happens and then, as would often happen with within our cultures, right? Especially in African cultures where you take the child to the grandparents. 
most of the time, the older sibling then steps in into that grandparent role as well and starts to parent their sibling's kids. So it causes even further confusion, right? So now those kids also start to see you not as an aunt, but also in a grandparent in a grandparent type of role. So their inner children and their inner child, or their inner child and their inner teen become so confused, you know? Because they're just like, but this is deeper than just auntie. This is like grandmother, mother type of role, right? And so this is part of where the breakdown happens and where the deep resentment happens. So the resentment isn't so much resentment because they resent you for pulling um, the financial support. Yes, they resent that too. But they also resent that like it feels like you're cutting off. Like when a child is cut off from the breast and breastfeeding and cut off from mummy. It's a deeper thing that's happening. It's like their inner child is feeling hurt because now they feel like they've almost lost a parent. So this could happen even, this has got nothing to do with age, right? Because my mom's siblings were rebelling and they were in their 30s. They were in their 40s and they were like, and they've said things like, you don't look after us anymore, all these things. And it's coming from deep, deep inner child wounding deep, deep inner teen wounding, right? So how this plays out financially for everyone in the family, right? Is one, oh, I forgot to mention the other thing. So let's talk about, we've talked about what happens with the people, with the inner, with the siblings when they get cut off, right? But let's talk about what's happening with the breadwinner in this case, when they are taking on that role. So from a young age, you've completely skipped. If you are the breadwinner, right? And you are the sibling that is parenting everyone. You've now skipped a stage. A, you didn't go through the full stage of being a child, right? You didn't go through the full stage of being a teenager. You're, you went straight from childhood to adulthood. You became a mini, uh, a mini adult. You got your ish together. You started learning how to cook. You started learning how to do laundry. You started learning how to make food, how to iron clothes, how to do things. You became super, super responsible. So that's one thing. So there's an inner child that has been completely suppressed. So your inner child is probably holding on to a lot of resentment, right? And a lot of sadness, a lot of pain because you didn't get to be a child. So they don't, so they don't know how to play. So often a lot of these adults may feel like when you talk about having fun and playing, they may look at you like you've grown two heads. To them, the idea of fun and playing is so foreign. They don't know how to do that. So let us not even add having fun with money, right? Because just ordinary fun, playing, jumping around, it feels weird, it feels foreign in the body, right? Because this is something that they never got to do. So then they, and they overly hard on themselves because they had to be, they've parented themselves. So nothing of not having been a child, right? Is that you didn't get to be parented. Everything about you has been you have parented yourself. So most times people will talk about you being the 
perfect child. You were often the example that was held up in the neighborhood for all children to look like. You know, you were clean. You knew how to keep yourself together. You kept everybody in line. You just knew things, right? But then the problem is that you don't allow yourself to experiment, right? And when it comes to money, this is a big, big thing. A huge part of growing financially and expanding financially is that we're able to take some, some type of risk, you know? We're able to either take risk in business, we're able to risk money in investments, but having been responsible and your inner child is an as a super is a mini adult, right? You've grown a mini adult inner child. So that inner child is always thinking about, ah, uh -uh, that's a high risk. If we just if I decide to do this, then what will happen? Because I need to look after so and so and so, right? You're still in that mode. It's now so ingrained within you. But the truth is that also all business and investment have some sort of risk. So if you want to grow your money, you have to be able to manage, you have to be able to sit with risk and be willing to take on risk. Other thing is that they tend to be over indebted, right? So, and they don't show it because everything needs to be perfect. They need to look like they have it together. And here's the thing, they need to look like they have it together because they knew from a young age, if they fell apart, it meant that mom or dad would have added stress. So they couldn't be the added stress on top of the other adults. They had to be the one that kept it together so that they can help mom or help dad around the house and make everything meet. So they often have this deep loneliness. So even when things are falling apart, they don't know how to ask for help. They don't know how to go and scream and say, listen, I'm falling apart. Things are falling apart. Their families have often never seen them cry. They've never, they always, and they always the ones that people go to, right? So they're willing and they, and because they've always made everything right, they're still living in that state of, I don't want to upset mom. I don't want to upset dad. So I don't want to make them feel bothered because they already have so much on their plates. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, if anyone needs help in the house or anyone needs help in the family, I'm going to take on the debt and I'll see to finish because they shouldn't have to worry. So then they take on more debt than they need, right? And they take on more responsibility. So debt, yes, right? But responsibility too. They have so much responsibility on their plates. They're shouldering the whole world. Like everybody comes to them. They don't have anyone to go to as a result, right? And so there's a sense of loneliness. But here's the other thing, and I think it brings up a lot of guilt for a lot of people, right? Which is that there's a sense of deep resentment, right? There's also, and it comes, it shows itself once in a while, um, I'll give it to, to the people, that, uh, to a lot of these siblings that take on this role, that they tend to keep themselves together. They're very well put together, guys. They don't have their issues not all over the place. Those of us with messy things and messiness, you know, that's not us. <laughs> they usually have their stuff together because they know that they've got people relying on them, right? 
Um, so with them, a lot of times though, is that there's a deep sense of, they don't know how to be vulnerable, right? So that's a big thing. And asking for support seems foreign. So by the time, if they are asking for support, it means things are really, really bad. So if you've got a sibling like this and they come to you and they ask for help, really pay attention because it means that they have reached the end of their theater and they really need the help. So don't just shut them down, right? Because they are the ones that are always caring a lot of people, right? And so it causes a lot of um, strain on them. What else? Okay, they really don't know how to spend money on themselves. They don't know how to have fun with money. And also savings. The crazy thing is, even though they're in debt, they often always have an emergency stash, right? And they often have savings. And there's, there's a simple reason for this, right? Again, because they are the ones that they know that they are the ones that everybody goes to. So even if they're in debt, they have something saved. And they're often the ones that will have the funeral policies, right? That will have funeral policies for everyone that have all like life insurance. They have those things on just like they have everything sorted, right? Again, because they are responsible. They know that you can't just go through life without an emergency saving. Again, they're still thinking about mom or dad that if I don't have it sorted, what's going to happen with all these other siblings? Because they need, they're going to need something when a rainy day comes through, right? So they always have that, you know? So they're not financially messy. Their indebtedness it's not like the indebtedness that you see out here where it's like someone is having like buying a Porsche, they buy new houses. No, they are in debt because of family obligations, because they have other people that rely on them. So their debt is not something that just happened willy-nilly and it's not for luxury. Because remember, they also have a hard time giving to themselves and doing self-care on themselves. Here's where the crazy thing then happens. So most of them that don't divorce, that um, have a hard time putting up boundaries with their families, their kids may feel resentment towards them as well because they feel like they come last after their siblings, right? After their parents' siblings, right? Because remember, in essence, on an energetic level and in a heart level, the siblings that their parents have or that this parent has is actually their first set of siblings is actually their first set of kids in a way right so when they have their own kids their kids always feel like oh i'm having to share my mom i'm having to share my dad i'm having to share resources and it feels so unfair so they're always trying to figure out a way of how to balance that but they themselves as the sibling that's taking care of everyone else is also feeling some sort of resentment towards their mom or their dad. And here's the thing that they really want to keep under wraps, right? Because they don't know how to deal with that resentment and it makes them feel so guilty. You know, they die from guilt from this, right? Because it's like, no, because I really love my mom. I really love my dad. And I feel, I feel like, I took uh, taking on this responsibility is helping shoulder the load. I don't, 
I'm helping them. But then every once in a while, that resentment will break through and they'll feel angry, they'll feel resentful, they'll feel frustrated with their siblings, with their mother, but then they'll quickly put a lid on it, right? They'll do some kind of deep control thing because remember, they are fully in control. They're working with a lot of like immense willpower here, immense energy. They have... So much willpower, so much energy, more than you and I will ever have, right? So you also don't want to mess with them in the family because if they decide to pull back, families can really fall apart, right? So they have a lot of willpower, so they work with that. But, it's, but over time, it starts to impact their mental health. And eventually, it can start to impact their physical health as well. And sometimes they won't understand what the heck is going on. And the day that the willpower stops working, because willpower is finite and they've been using it for years, that's when everything starts to fall apart. That's when you'll see some of them go ham on their family, go crazy. And it will look like, oh my gosh, who are, this, who are these people? Because they're the ones that have always held it together. That's when self-control starts to fall apart and starts to fail, right? And you don't want that to happen. You don't want to see that. Trust me, I have seen it. It is not a pretty sight, right? Because they have the power to completely destroy families when that happens. So... Malo Heng, you're saying, this is so me. I feel so naked right now. You have put forward my life for everyone to know. Lump in my throat moment. Sending you deep, dig, uh, deep, deep hugs. Just as you're listening to this and you're feeling triggered, guys, I just want you to hold yourself and just breathe deeply. And then just maybe rub your arms. You can also just... Um, rub the sides of your neck if this is triggering right and just breathe i want you to focus on just inhaling <sighs> exhaling so just take nice deep breaths just keep holding yourself and if you want you can repeat you i am safe i am safe right and Nebagazi, you're saying this resonates with me yeah so that so that just explains what's happening with breadwinners and the sibling that was in the parent role. So what's happening uh, financially with those that are not the siblings that were being supported? And we're going to unpack the mother wound because, phew, I don't even know where to start with that one. But I just wanted to explain what's happening with the kids before we go into the mother wound and how this then births the sibling wound. Right? So let's talk about what's happening in the finances with the siblings that are being looked after. Whew, okay, so this is intense. This, so sometimes things turn out okay. I want to acknowledge that, right? That sometimes the siblings turn out 100% okay, and that is awesome. But we know from being in South Africa that this is not often the case. More often than not, there are deep sibling wounds and there are deep money wounds that accompany this. Okay, and the simple reason, right, just before we even go any further, is that children cannot raise children, right? So if you, as the older child, 
or the child that stepped into the mother role because sometimes the middle child steps into this and sometimes like my mother was the middle child right she was the second one and sometimes the youngest child steps into this so you as the child who's parenting other children you only know so much right your life experience is so limited so you're like what 15 raising 10 year olds raising eight year olds giving advice to them it's it's tricky right you're a child you can only do so much so obviously the way that they turn out in the end is going to be impacted by that that there was there were absent parents and that there was a child raising other children so naturally it was the blind leading the blind and what does a 15 year old know about investing and saving and debt and imparting financial knowledge most times what does a 20 year old or even a 25 year old know right so it's very very rare where like there's a lot of like systems in place and the children all turn out great and so that is the first thing right so you can if you're holding deep resentment towards your siblings you can start to find a little bit of com of self-compassion as to why maybe things are playing out the, the way they are financially it's that it was children raising children right and you everyone is so you don't have enough knowledge you don't have enough parenting knowledge you just don't have the knowledge so often what happens is that there does tend to be a codependency right and the codependency, especially around money or just around like emotionally looking after each other. And part of that is because children need parents. And now these children, these siblings have now found a parent in this other sibling. So they will keep going to the sibling financially. So there is kind of like a lot of co-mingling of finances. There's a lot of codependence and there's a, it's hard to set boundaries because as much, imagine how hard it is for a parent to set a boundary. If you're a parent now and you've given birth, I imagine, cause I see it even with my parents, right? How hard it is to set a boundary with any of your children and just let them flounder and struggle and go through their own things without having to step in, right? It takes a lot of like trusting that the soul will be okay and that this is part of their learning journey, that this is part of how they build resilience and how they learn, right? But as a child watching another child and you have deep empathy for the child and you see that child is not just your sibling, but also as your child, it's messy, messy. So you can see how that codependence can start to arise, right? And why it's so hard then to just have your siblings, why it can be so hard for these siblings to then go away and fly on their own. And part of that is when we do succeed so this brings me to vows of loyalty right so a huge part of it is also that our siblings then also have vows of loyalty to us right so i'm saying us although i don't have this relationship with my siblings right but um the 
siblings would naturally siblings would have vows of loyalty to each other whether or not they're parenting each other period right but siblings now if you have most of the time as kids we tend to have vows of loyalty towards our parents we love our parents unconditionally no matter how abusive a parent is we will tend to be loyal to them this is why i will say things like but why did a child that was getting shouted at abused etc beaten up on never ever tell anyone at school never ever tell the social workers the psychologists etc a lot of it is you instinctively know that your parent will get into trouble so you want to be loyal to them you don't want them to get into trouble right so and we tend to then mirror each other's behaviors so what will happen is that the kids will tend to mirror they are uh, mirror their parents behaviors and now here's another thing and this ties to the mother wound directly right is that a huge one of the things that we don't talk about with the mother wound is it's not always about the abuse that your mother is so abusive is that we could have a mother wound simply because we refuse to surpass our mother because if i suddenly make more money than my mother and have experiences that my mother never had then who will i be who will i be will i still be my mother's child or will i now have to meet my mother woman to woman right or will i still be my dad's little girl or will i now have to meet my dad as an equal so without even understanding it we are subconsciously as our inner child subconsciously makes this decision to say i want to stay my mommy's little girl right i want to stay daddy's little girl i don't want to surpass them so i will dim my light so that i always have this relationship where i am their little girl where i always feel safe i always feel protected and i can always go back to them right and so without even understanding it our siblings or those siblings tend to will do that to the other sibling where they unconsciously make the decision not to surpass them financially because they see them remember as the parent role and because they love being parented by them and they love this role if they they have this fear that if i surpass the sibling financially i will lose that parenting role right like i will lose them as a parent because now i can no longer come to them with my problems etc so without even understanding it they find themselves always in this diminished that's not the right word oh man i'm trying to find the word i don't have it yet but they'll find they'll keep themselves yes this this is the right phrase they'll make they'll keep themselves plain small so that the pair, the sibling who is in the parent role can continue to parent them even as they are adults and have kids and have everything so that they always feel like they have that motherly love or that fatherly love because they've never had it ever before right and this is the only place that they get it from right I hope that this is making a lot of sense. And you'll see it at times like even with little kids they'll want to play even if they get no matter how independent they'll get they'll go back and be like, "Oh, you know, I you like my mommy, like I want my mommy, right? We all have those moments, right? 
I have many moments like that where I'll be like, oh, I want my granny. You know, no matter how old I get, I'm still like, if she was here, everything would be okay because we all want that. So now if they start to, and so there's this fear of growing apart. So then, and then now chuck in, so that's the motherhood. Now chuck in the vows of loyalty. Our siblings tend to have vows of loyalty to family, right? So even if you have great money man management skills, they still have an actual mother. They still have an actual father that is not you, right? So they're still going to have vows of loyalty, not just to you, but also to their actual parents, uh, to their actual parents, your parents, right? And they will start to mirror their parents in behavior, right? So that is something to note. And so you'll find, you'll try to figure out why is everyone behaving like this? And I always say to people, look back at your family history around money and you'll find some of these things are also ancestral, right? So it's like, it's just part of the DNA. So there's all that. But it also means like, you know how we make jokes about how the last born is the most irresponsible in the family, etc. Because most of the times there's, Oh, if there's someone that's taking on the parenting, the deputy parent role, one of the siblings is taking on the deputy parent role, then it's easier for the other, to, uh, for the other siblings to be less responsible financially because they know that you've got this financially and you're going to take care of things financially, right? Because you've always taken care of things financially. So they may not always be... Their financial management skills may not always be on point. Sorry, I'm switching off my aircon. <laughs> Their financial management skills may be a little suspect. And also, obviously, the expansion, their financial expansion, like I said, may be thwarted by the fact that they still want to have this parental role with you as the sibling. So their income may never, ever get to surpass you so that you could always look after them and keep parenting them. And... The other thing is like debt, savings, etc. They may not have a lot of those. Uh, they may not have great savings, not be great with debt, with investments as well, because you've always looked after them, right? And you probably also have them sorted already in your will as the parenting, as the parenting sibling that you are, right? And they know that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So Kumutsa is saying the vow of loyalty feels like Stockholm Syndrome. Always. I promise you, I've been working on it most of this afternoon. And I'm just like, my inner child is refusing. For the millionth time, I'm like, can we let go of this vow of loyalty? Nope. Nope. So I'm having to like do all sorts of things and like all the meditations. <laughs> So guys, there's, um, I think there's two different vows of loyalty meditations in the Money Magic course. Yeah, I keep coming back to those. Like I'm just back there. Like I did, in December, I did the vow of loyalty meditation. Not this December, December 2020 in Sri Lanka. And I shared with the Money Magic students. They saw me. I had like my period three times in one month. It was so deeply traumatic to release my vow of loyalty to my grandmother. It just, it felt hard. Like I did this meditation every single day for a month. And eventually when I decided, when I released this vow of loyalty after like a month of just working with my inner teen and just like helping her see things and holding her and listening to her, 
my body just would not stop. Like my period just kept coming, kept coming. And I was in tears every day because it just felt like the deepest betrayal to release my, my vow of loyalty to my grandmother. So vows are, vows are tricky. They're tricky. Khumuso, <laughs> you say, as a firstborn, that deputy parent role phase really um, triggers me, even as a joke. Oh, the phrase deputy parent role. Yeah, I'm sorry, Khumuso. I'm really, really sorry. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the mother wound and what gives birth to this. Whew. Okay. So, where do I start? Okay, so the mother wound. Like I said, the mother wound isn't always like, okay, so my mother wound, very easy to spot. It's a neon sign, right? My mother was physically, verbally, emotionally abusive. Easy to spot. Blinking <laughs> headlights. I instantly, you don't even have to tell me that I have a mother wound, right? That I've been working through the mother wound. Easy. But I think the most subtle mother wounds that we don't know how to spot are the mother wounds where the mom is loving, sweet, lovely. We do everything together. We are best friends and I am co-parenting with my mother. I am shouldering everything with my mother. You don't see it because you don't see when you stopped being a child and you started being the friend to your mother. You really needed your mother, but you didn't have a mother. So you learn to parent yourself, right? And so there is a mother wound in terms of just your mother was physically there, but you were abandoned in a way, you know? And that is so hard for most people to hear because that's like, oh my gosh, how could you say that? My mother was perfect. And I've had many clients who say, who, who say that, right? And they get angry at me and they don't want to speak with me, right? Because like in the coaching that turns up and I'm like, that's like a mother wound. And then weeks later they come back and they're like, oh my God, I think I have a mother wound, right? And it's, this is not bad guys. It's not like our parents go out of their way to like say, I'm going to wound this child that I've given birth to, that I've carried for nine months. I believe that most parents have our best intentions at heart. Even my mom, right? I feel like her wounds took over when she was parenting, right? So despite all that, and that's not to say forgive your parents, you have to do, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that, Wounds are wounds, right? And trauma, it's not, it's never, it's not always intentional. That's the first thing to understand. And it doesn't make a person a bad person because they've somehow wounded you. It just makes them human. They carry their own human baggage. We all do, right? So within this case, what's happening with the mother wound is that, and this is something that we don't talk about, right? So it happens in many different ways in South Africa, right? And I'm sure it happens in many different ways internationally too, because I've seen this happen in Sri Lanka, where the children are left with the grandparents, right? Where the mom leaves and then they leave the child with the grandparents. And so the child is left with the grandparents, but the truth is that your grandparents are still your grandparents. They are not your mother, they are not your father right they are your grandparents they have a very special role in that 
And I say this as someone who loves my, who still cries of my grandmother almost every other day and cries that like I've lost this incredible human being in my life, right? But your grandparents are still your grandparents. Your mother is still your mother. Your father is your father, right? So having that role not be filled in, in a present manner can be really, really painful for a child, right? Having a child that realizes in an adult manner that I need to grow up and I need to not ask for what I want because not, it's not just that you're not asking for support. Most children even learn that you don't, I don't get to ask for things that I desire financially. I don't get to ask for fun things. I don't get to ask for a doll or a toy because I see that mom has all these other siblings to look after or dad has all these other siblings to look after. So if I have a need or I have a desire, it's just going to bring so much anxiety and frustration to them. And I don't want to be that person that does that. So I will teach myself not to have a desire. I will teach myself not to have a need because I'm trying to protect my mother. In that case, you that's a mother wound, right? Because you have now, in essence, decided that your mother cannot cope with your desires. Your mother cannot cope with your needs. They need to be shielded from you, from your childhood desires, from your childhood wants, from your childhood needs. So who takes care of those needs then as a, for you as a child? If you're a five-year-old and you're making these decisions and you're not asking for money, you, you get a job by the time you're like 15, 16 so that you could start looking after yourself. Who's taking care of your needs, right? So there's like an absent mother in that case. The mother is present, but the mother is also absent. And the mother is not aware. And instead... And here's where it even gets more intense. Because you're such a perfect child. You are the model child because you don't have any needs. You don't have any desires. You're easy. You're helpful. You're always being showcased as the perfect model child. And so you keep getting validated based on your perfection and how you're such an easy child. So you And you keep getting love for that. So you keep working on the perfectionism and the love and the easygoingness, right? And so your mother wound is there because you don't have a mother. And we can even go as far as to ask is, who does your mother really know your deepest desires? Does your mother even know you at your core, who you are? Or have you just modeled this personality to protect your mother? And it is not a child's job to protect a parent. It is not a child's job to protect an adult, right? So if you're doing that, you've just switched roles with your mother. You know, you're literally, it's your mother's job to protect you. And so this is how this sibling, this mother wound then gives rise to the sibling wound. And over time, it even causes deep, deep sibling rivalries in the family because what you even find is that because as the sibling that was then parenting the other siblings, I'm trying not to use the term deputy parent, right? But as the sibling that was parenting the other siblings, 
what might happen is even though your siblings see you in the parent role, right? And they see you as a sort of parent to them. They may end up resenting you because they see you as maybe the favorite, the golden child, the child that could, that was always perfect in their world. They don't understand where this per perfection comes from and what you've had to give up in order to be perfect and to remain perfect. All they see is that mom or dad has been praising you because you are so perfect. You don't have any flaws. You never make, you never make mistakes. You did, you went to school, you followed the path, you got a job, you went to university, you got a degree, you looked after them, you built your mama house, you helped all the other siblings. That's all they see. So over time, it starts to cause these insecurities, right? And parents are often like, how does this happen? Why are my kids why do my kids not like each other? Why do they despise each other so much, even though this one is doing everything for all of the others? Well, this is part of the thing, right? Is that they now feel like they need to do the same in order to get praise because the one that was in the parenting role was getting all this praise and the other siblings low-key hated sibling with them because who wants to sibling with a goody two-shoes? Every day you're being told how this other person is uh, perfect, you know? And so you're not even aware. So like there's just so much pain that comes from this. And the other siblings are also aware that, oh, actually mom or dad, you want me to be perfect. And your version of perfect is that I should not have needs. I should not have desires and I should not have one. So you actually you want me to erase myself. So that's where you have them finding, having lots of drama with the parent as well, because what the parent is seeing as perfection, the other siblings are aware that this version of perfection means erasing all needs, all desires, all pleasure, right? And what may often happen also is that the sibling that is, the other siblings may start to rebel and go crazy. And the reason why they rebel and go crazy is that they're trying to force the mother or the father or both parents to come to the party and parent them, right? Not to leave the parenting to this one sibling and not to demand them to be something that they are not. So their inner child or their inner teen out of desperation starts to go crazy. Then you're like, but why do I have this one perfect child and all these other children are clubbing they they going drinking they're doing all sorts of things they they having uh issues with boys with girls etc they're so young what's going on i've never seen this well your kids are actually forcing you to parent them right and this is what's happening and because you're demand you're not because the mother is not is refusing to parent this is what you get right and so somebody in the family is going to have to do all that craziness. So this brings me to, I'll go more in depth on this in my next book, right? On the money, on the family, on the black family archetypes, money archetypes. Because this would, these kids that rebel and like cause all this havoc are what I call the destroyers, right? The money destroyers. Because 
they are here, they come in and they destroy everything. And what they're trying to do is they try to get the mother to pay attention. So the sibling that is parenting is the fixer because they try to gloss over everything, right? And the mother and like the destroyers are destroying everything because they're trying to get the mother to come to the party. And to the outside world, it looks like these siblings are just problematic and they're causing havoc. Meanwhile, you know, they're just trying to get the mother to parent. And here's the thing. Sometimes those siblings never grow up. They're the ones that move in at home and they will stay at home forever. They're the ones that will even, uh, they'll sometimes even move their significant others into the house. Their parent, they'll make, because they've been wanting a mother, they will make their mother cook for them up until they're 40, 50 years old, right? They will make their mother buy them clothes, look after them financially. It will frustrate everyone. But actually what they're doing is that their inner child is saying, you didn't get to parent me. And everyone will be like, but our mother was so sweet. Yes, your mother was so sweet, but she was absent and she had, a nun. She had one of her children parenting the other children. And so now as the other children grow up, they never go beyond that inner child stage where they need where they feel like they weren't properly parented. So they force in their adulthood, the parent to parent, right? So Masia Abe, you're saying, oh my word, this is so me, Sybil. You're saying the penny drop for one of the hate crime cases I'm working on where a sibling almost killed the deputy parent who is queer. Phew, wow, it's, yeah, it's deep. These things go deep, guys, right? So... I'm sure everyone's like, how the hell do we fix this, right? So first things first, I want to say, if you find yourself and you're a parent and you find yourself doing this to one of your kids, own it and I don't work with kids, right? So please contact Team Coach Numbeliso for anything regarding kids. I'm much more interested in you as adults and your adult self, right? So where we do the work is we need to be doing the work on ourselves. So, of course, because this is so layered, the first thing to do is you work on the mother wound, right? Then we need to work on multiple vows, right? So the one vow that I've spoken about here is the vow of loyalty, but there are other vows, right? So we work on the vows of loyalty. Um, we do a lot of work around the mother wound. And then like this is a, the way that I work with the mother wound in the money magic work is that I work with the mother wound across generations in the bloodline. Because like I said, my mother didn't just show up how she is, right? There's so many layers. Um, so we work on that. And then we also start looking at the perfectionism, right? Where it comes from, where often it comes from a not good enough wounding. So we look at that. We look at other vows that are tied to not good enough and the not good enough wound. And as we start to heal that, you then also start to energetically clear on an energetic and spiritual level. You start to put things right also in the ancestral plane that you are no longer your sibling's parent. You know, and I don't know how to quite explain how this works, but I've seen it so often in the Money Magic course 
They're like, as we start to put this right and we start to heal the vows and we start to release them on a spiritual plane, on an ancestral plane, things start to, something starts to align, right? And suddenly the mother role, the mother gets to be the mother to your siblings and you can start to be the sibling to your siblings and they can start to feel it on an energetic and soul level as well part of that is because you've now involved the ancestors you've now brought in people whereas what i found when people try to do this like people will be like yeah i want to now finish now that i've done this one meditation i want to go and so i'm going to tell them i'm going to share my side of this sorry and i'm like no please don't do that because now you're just going to add trauma and people are going to be so shocked. Where's this coming from? They don't know. They don't understand. There's no context. But as you do the work, right? Because a lot of the stuff has also happened on a soul level, on a spiritual level. We need to put that right in the spiritual plane, right? And so by the time it comes down to the real world, things start to shift, you know? Not without any kind of friction but it's not like oh my gosh i'm no longer speaking to my family no more or any of that drama sometimes that happens right but the whole point is we wanted to we want to cause less soul scars for lack of a better word i don't know if this is making sense you know but like a lot of these things have been there's been so much confusion in the spiritual plane in the role that we have also played in the family so now we're just it's almost like when we talk about how we talk to the ancestors and then we're just like we're putting all this stuff just right and so and then we're also releasing ourselves from whatever vows our spirit has made whatever vows our souls have made however we're holding ourselves captive right so that we can start to make decisions for ourselves and a huge part of this is also lots of inner child work right so even in the not good enough wound even when we're doing ancestral healing there's a lot of inner child work that's going into this there's a lot of um inner teen work that's going into this and a lot of that is just so that your inner child can come back and realize that they have to be a child you know even as an inner child they don't have to be a mini adult right so I hope this makes sense, guys. And if you're like, wow, I really want to be part of this. I really need to go on my own journey and start to heal this. I want to heal for myself and probably heal for future generations, I hope. Um, not that you, you have to, but if you want to, great. And I just want to heal for how I show up in my family, in my relationships then I just want to invite you to say you can check out the Money Magic course, get on the waiting list at wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic. I'll be opening up that course for registration on Tuesday, February 15th, but I will also be doing five, if you're on the waiting list or in the training uh, program, the seven-day training program, I'm going to do five days of live classes where well five actually six days of live classes where i talk about where we look at ancestral money trauma and looking at how it's passed down from generation to generation we'll do the trainings together so you'll get to do some of the meditations 
you'll get to do some of um, the five day uh, the first five days of meditations, and then I'll come back every evening starting from Tuesday, uh, the 15th of February, so in about two days. Every evening, I'll come back and we will decompress and we'll talk about what came up for you in the meditations and I can guide you and answer some questions and you can also sign up for the Money Magic course whenever you want. The course will close publicly for registration on March 6th, 2022 and after that, the price will double. So currently, the course is 39,999 Rand or $3,999 US dollars once off, or it is uh, 3,333 Rand over 15 months or 333 US dollars over 15 months. Like I said, on the 6th of March, the cost is doubling in value. This course is incredible. It's lifetime access. So whatever you pay for it, you get lifetime access to everything. It comes with an incredible, um, it comes with an incredible Facebook group, a support system. So I'm always in that Facebook group, always answering questions. I'm always coaching people through the comment section. Um, and I will also have an incredible client onboarding specialist, Anumisa, that also helps and holds space but all the other students are there as well. So it's an incredible course and an incredible resource. And like I said, I myself am constantly using it on myself. That's why it's Lifetime Access because the work is layered. It is deeply, deeply layered and I have much respect for it. <laughs> so thank you so much, guys. Let me know your thoughts on this. Let me know if you've had any aha moments, if things are starting to make sense for you in your family of origin, um, if you're starting to understand some of the dynamics that are playing out in your family. Have a fantastic evening and day further. Cheers! I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.